Welcome to Brainchild, a CanLearn Society podcast. This is a podcast that is dedicated to bringing you trustworthy information about topics related to child development, mental health, learning disabilities, ADHD, and autism. Join our host, registered psychologist Krista Forand, as she interviews knowledgeable researchers and clinicians to provide families with the most up-to-date information on child development and disorders. To stay connected, visit canlearnsociety.ca, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. If you have a specific topic that you would like to hear about on our podcast, please send your suggestions to brainchild at canlearnsociety.ca. CanLearn Society is a not-for-profit organization located in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We serve children, youth, and adults who have literacy, attention, and learning challenges. For more information about CanLearn, check out our website at canlearnsociety.ca. At CanLearn, we are dedicated to unlocking potential so all can learn. Hello everyone and welcome to Brainchild Podcast. My name is Krista Forand and I'm a registered psychologist at the CanLearn Society here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you so much for joining us for our fourth episode of the Brainchild Podcast. Um, This year we've been fortunate to team up with the researchers at the Oworko Centre here in Calgary and there's a a lot of researchers there at the centre who are working on research related to childhood development and a lot of other related topics. Um, This week's topic is very exciting. I get a lot of parents who ask me about screen time and video games and electronic device use. So we're going to actually be talking to a Worko Center researcher, Dr. Sherry Madigan, specifically about some of the research that she's done uh, very recently on screen time. So I think a lot of people will want to listen in and this would be a good one to send to your friends and family especially if you know that they want to learn more about sort of what we're finding out about screen time in the research. Before we get to that episode, just wanted to remind our listeners too that we also have another podcast called Inside ADHD, and that was a podcast that we did as part of our ADHDfamilies.ca website project. So there's a lot of episodes there that are specific to... um, children who have ADHD and families who are um, living with children who have ADHD, um, suggestions for parents and information about the disorder and how you can help your children. So if you're interested in that podcast, you can check us out on iTunes. It's called Inside ADHD or find us on your favorite podcast player. So let's talk today about screen time. And uh, here's the interview with Dr. Sherry Madigan. So we are here with Dr. Sherry Madigan at the Oworko Center, which is affiliated with the University of Calgary. And today we're going to talk specifically about a topic that I think a lot of our listeners and parents I've been waiting to hear about because I get a lot of people asking in our clinic at CanLearn about screen time and media and all that stuff, the internet. 
video games. Um, we'll talk about that today, but before we get into that, maybe Dr. Madigan, give us just a kind of an overview of some of the research you have been doing um, here at the university over the years. Sure. Yeah. So our my research interest is really on determinants of early child development. So we focus on children, um, you know, up to age five um, yeah. from sort of pregnancy and, and birth to age five. And we really look at factors um, operating in the child's environment. So what's going on for the child in their environment and how that either um, can set them up for success or in some cases, if the, there are some of these more negative factors or potentially negative factors, what may derail their development. Yeah, that's awesome. Are there specific sort of topics you've looked at? Yeah, what? so we focus a lot on parenting, yep. <laughs> um, which is obviously a big one. And uh, and then um, what we've done more recently is look at the role of screen time yeah. in terms of children's development. Um, but we also look at some other factors like sibling relationships mm-hmm. and um, um, maternal health, like yeah. maternal and paternal mental health. Right. So we, and, and birth outcomes for the children. Um, and then we're really interested in how that how that shapes the child's um, uh, behavioral development, their language development, their cognitive development. And so we look at a variety of different outcomes of child development to see which of these determinants are really helping them across those various aspects of childhood. Yeah, and so the topic we're talking about today is screen time and um, a lot, basically the first question parents ask me is, how much time is too much or what should we be sort of limiting it to and I think sometimes that isn't necessarily a straightforward answer but there are some guidelines what have you sort of found in the literature for that so there's some guidelines that have been issued by the American Academy of Pediatrics and also by the Canadian Pediatric Society and they are very much mirrored Mm -hmm. and what they recommend is that under 18 months children receive no screen time yes um FaceTime is okay because yeah. we need to connect with our family members, um, especially if they live afar. And um, so that type of screen time is okay, but they're suggesting other than that to not to limit them to screen time. Um, right. Once children are about 24 months, the suggestion is that they get one hour of high quality programming a day. Mm-hmm. That means things like Sesame Street, right. the Wiggles, um, yeah. you know, whatever shows um, are, are really geared towards geared towards more educational content okay and then up and that that one hour a day um is recommended to last up until they're about five years of age okay so no more than one hour a day yeah after five there's there are more uh fewer limits um suggested limits but more you know i would i would suggest no more than two hours a day i often think about you know, um, children are usually sleeping about t- 10 to 12 <laughs> hours a day. So you have to think about, you know, h- how much of two hours a day is of their time, mm. um, especially five-year-olds are in school. So if they're spending eight hours a day in school and then they only have four hours left really to be eat, to eat, to yes. be physically active, um, to interact with caregivers and family members, um, to go out and do karate or soccer or swimming or whatever right. they have planned. Um, if, if, two of those four hours are screen time, that's actually a substantial amount of their free time. Yeah, yeah. Which we'd rather they're sort of um, really channeling into activities like physical activity, uh, stimulating activities, and parent-child interactions, which are really important. Which I think we'll get to why that is important um, based on um, 
the research that you've done. And this is a recent study. When did it come out? So I this came out at the end of January. Yeah, so this is very new. Um, tell us a bit about this screen time study that you did. Yeah, so this was using data from the All Our Family study, which okay. is one of the main um, large cohort studies mm -hmm. um, within the uh, Worko team, um, led by Suzanne Tuff. And um, it has been following this, the, the All Our Family study has been been around since um, I think 2008 yeah. and about 3,000 Albertan families were collected and um, have been followed um, at many points throughout childhood so they mm. started collecting data in pregnancy and have followed these families and now that kids are eight actually that's, awesome. um, that's great yeah we really appreciate families um, giving their time and energy to the project and what we did um, for our particular study is we looked at children at these really um, important developmental ages um, where we know that brain development is rapidly unfolding um, and um, and that means child development is, is rapidly unfolding. So yeah. we were really interested in kids between the ages of two and five and the association between the scre their screen time and their ability to hit a lot of their developmental milestones or the developmental targets. Yeah. So what we did is we looked at kids aged two, three, and five, and we looked at their screen time across those, which is really just a, um, an estimation by parents of how, much, how many hours kids are getting on screen time per day and on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And that gives us a cumulative score of how many hours they're getting in a, in a week. And then how they're doing on these, um, you know, a measure of their, of their achievement of developmental milestones. Right. And we looked to see whether screen time was increasing the risk of children showing delays in these developmental milestones, or was it that um, kids who have delays in developmental milestones are being put in front of screens because right. there's a lot of marketing out there that suggests that educational program is going to substantially augment children's development. Uh. So we were looking at the direction of the association and how lasting the impacts were over time, especially for screen time. Right, and to sort of check out that sort of chicken and egg question around. Exactly. Also, I think it mentioned, you mentioned in the article that s some children who might be a little bit more delayed in some of their developmental milestones might show behaviors that maybe a parent would then give a screen to sort of help keep them calm, maybe in a public setting, or if the parent is engaged in something else and needs them just to be relaxed for a few yeah. minutes, like, is this sort of contributing to more screen time being given to kids who might be struggling with some of their milestones? So that was sort of something you're trying to figure out was what comes first. Exactly. So we're trying to disentangle that. Yeah. Exactly. As you said, chicken or egg question. Um, and I think a lot of parents can, can, you know, remember a point in time and me included yes. where you're in a situation and your child's misbehaving or um, you know is having a hard time regulating their um, emotions or their behavior and and we'll see a parent bring out a phone right. in order to try to really help that child cope um, yeah it's not the most effective strategy because it can't be sustained over yes. time and that's not an option they would have when they get to school for example right but um you know we've all used it once we've or all twice, done I'm it sure. we've all done it and we've all done it for ourselves as adults yeah, that's very true <laughs> when yeah. we need to pass some time or yeah. avoid interaction exactly yeah techno avoidance yes I think that's a term. whole other thing yeah. right um and I just wanted to make sure that our listeners knew what we meant by um, milestones or these sort of delays in development. What areas did the measure that you guys used 
look at as far as those milestones specifically? Yeah, so we were looking at um, a pretty commonly used measure, especially in pediatricians' office, called the ages and stages questionnaire. Okay. And it looks at a variety of milestones across sort of five domains of development, mm. one being communication, so how yeah. well the child's, you know, are they putting two or three word sentences together when they're age three, which is what we would expect. Yes. Um, as well as their fine and gross motor skills. So these are things like being able to hold a, a marker, right. um, as well as being able to throw a ball or, or walk a set of sta- walk up a set of stairs, running. Right. Um, and then also looks at their ability to problem solve and their ability um, to sort of take care of themselves from a um, you know, social perspective right. in terms of being able to brush their teeth and, um, you know, do a variety of things. When they look in the mirror, are they able to say, like, hey, that's me? You okay. know, can they recognize themselves and things like that? Yeah, and so just, like, the beginnings of some of those, like, daily living skills that we have, but also things like language development, which exactly, is super yeah. important. And at every age, age two, three, and five, in which in the, which we were studying, these targets shift, right? Because you, your expectation yes. of children would would shift as development occurs. So um, the questionnaire taps into different types of milestones that we would expect a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and a five-year-old. Right. Okay. So what did you end up finding with this study? What what were the results? So when we looked at the chicken or the egg question, what what we found is that it really, really was about increased screen time leading to delays in children meeting developmental milestones. We didn't see see that reverse association right. of, of increased delays leading to more screen time. So we can, we can, we sort of can pinpoint like the yeah. likely culprit and that would be screen time. Yeah. Um, and what we found is more lasting delays. So children who had increased screen time at age two were more likely to have show delays in meeting their developmental milestones at age three. So 12 oh, months okay. later and that children at age three were, um, more likely or sort of less likely to meet their developmental milestones at age five so two years later Mm. so we we saw some lasting impacts of screen time on development and in a relatively short amount of time which is i think important for everyone to keep in mind that these are you know between you know one to three four five years of life that this is then kind of impacting longer term. Right, and I think that the age of the children is very pertinent because this is just a rapid period of development for kids and arguably one of their most plastic periods where we can, their environment can very much shape um, long-term trajectories. And so one of the reasons that we we are interested in screen time at this age is we consider it a very important age of development but also um if children aren't getting what they need can this is a time when vulnerabilities can be right um, created yeah, or you yeah. know where we see that these disparities in development start to develop yes. and unfortunately when there are these disparities in development um without intervention children tend to, to, to lag behind rather than right. catch up. Okay. So do we actually know what it is specifically about screen time that may affect child development? Mm-hmm. Where are we at with that in the research? Yeah, so it's a really good question and certainly one that emerged um, when we talked to various media outlets about this study. Mm-hmm. And um, so we can't answer that here. And that's really the yeah. what's, what 
that's a really our next point of, yeah. of research for uh, myself and a lot of the, 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 the collaborators and, and students that I work with. And, um, but we have a few hypotheses yeah. that I'll, I'll, I'll throw out. And then, yes. um, you know, of course, I'm always interested in getting people's feedback on it. One is something that people have called either uh, displacement effect or missed opportunities. So if children are watching screens, and as I said, you know, can be watching quite a lot of screens. Mm-hmm. So um, in our study at age two, on average, kids were watching two and a half hours of television. At age three, they were watching three and a half hours of television. Okay. So that's actually quite a substantial quite amount a of screen time. Um, and certainly exceeding that one hour guideline from the mm-hmm. Canadian Pediatric Society. And the majority of people in our sample were, were exceeding that guideline. Right. But um, if kids are in front of screens for that long, what are they missing out on? What are the missed opportunities? And those are um, ability to practice development. So this may be especially relevant to our study, which is looking at child development in particular. But if you're if you're in front of the screen, mm-hmm. and typically that's a solitary or and, and also a sedentary activity, yes. you're not moving, not you're not you're not there, <laughs> you're not doing it with another caregiver or partner who's going to bridge right. learning for you in any way. Um, these kids are 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 missing out on yeah. on running around, on being at the park, on interacting with caregivers who can foster different uh, yes. child development expertise you know um so that's a big one another one is just that the digital interface of screen time has evolved to a point i'm very different than when we were watching television yeah um (laughs) it's highly stimulating it can be highly rewarding and so there is some there has been an increasing interest in what this is doing to children's brains and we really don't know a lot yet about what that research has to say because yes. it's just being done right now, um, but that's something that's being looked into to, that I think is really important. Yeah. Um, and then I think sometimes what happens is we we think that um, children are going to learn even with high quality programming. There is some evidence to suggest that shows like Sesame Street actually help children's language. Right. We know it helps some of their language as in terms of alphabet and numbers, mm. but it actually doesn't help them that much more than that. Uh. And so. What some of the experimental research has shown is, well, what happens if we, for example, um, if children who are under the age of, you know, two and a half to three, watch Elmo um, yes. stacking some blocks? Right. Can, if you give them blocks, <laughs> will they then understand how to do it? And the answer is actually no. So yeah. children seem to have a really aren't able to transfer knowledge from a, a two-dimensional screen to three-dimensional uh. life. And so I think oftentimes we, we think that that's the case, and certainly there are a lot of great marketing campaigns that lead right. us to believe that. But the research evidence suggests that um, there isn't a lot of application from television to real life for kids. Right. And I think there's some you know, firmly established evidence that the, a caregiver or another adult or even an older sibling modeling how to do something like stacking blocks and then guiding the child to do these things is a just a more more rich social interaction but also a real 3d experience of practicing that skill right so well and that's where parents can play (laughs) a really important role and um they can you know when kids play with parents and it's a really positive interaction they learn not only because um parents can model how to stack the blocks and they right. while they're stacking the blocks they can talk about the color of the blocks yes. and the shapes of the blocks 
um, but they can also these positive interactions are actually mm. you know um, part of the way children develop is through a feedback loop that they're right. getting from parents in terms of them giving them reinforcement so while they may stack blocks, Elmo can't say back to them, good job. Yes, you know? So yes. they don't have someone on the screen actually reinforcing them right. um, when they're doing the task appropriately. Yeah, so a lot of things for, for all of us and parents to think about. The other uh, potential hypothesis was this idea of direct effects. And I think we, all, we are also still trying to figure out research-wise what that is about but the idea of is there something to do with the light coming off the screens that kind of thing like I don't know how much has been said about that are we still in the infancy there as well I think we're still (laughs) in the infancy in terms of understanding some of that so there is some um, animal model uh, animal modeling being done to look to see how um, what happens when you overstimulate for example rats or mice with a lot of this um, you know, highly, uh, like a digital interface that's very uh, rapid, um, yes. uh, highly stimulating, and um, but uh, those results are yeah are, are pending. Yes. Yeah, but I, I look forward to seeing them. <laughs> the one thing I often say to my families that I work with that to me is um, we still need to study this um, research-wise, but when I look at sort of behavior theory and a bit of what I would call like psychology common sense is the missed opportunities argument is um, on top of the missed opportunity bit and the exercise bit and the interaction with other people, the the comment you made about um, game, games on you know tablets and things like that or video games, they're made in a certain way using unfortunately you know psychology principles to make them more engaging. Um, I basically say to parents, you know, they're using similar principles that, you know, are used in slot machines or gambling machines, those the video ones, to make you want to keep playing them. And it's, uh, we don't really know, right, like we still need to see the research on how much is that affecting a developing child, their ability to self-regulate to stop something that is that highly rewarding and go do something that's less rewarding like homework or a chore or some other thing in the house so these are sort of the questions I have for research you know in the future is is that affecting the ability to then be with more boring things of life that but that are important things of life yeah yeah. (laughs) that makes sense so I'm kind of waiting to see Um, Another sort of really interesting aspect um, in the research that you were mentioning was this idea that parents' use of electronics, screens, phones, um, is, is having an impact on family functioning or child development, and that kids are kids are very aware about their parents' use of phones or other electronics. Maybe talk to us a bit about that and how, how why is that important for us to sort of discuss mm-hmm. <laughs> generally? So in the, in the last year or two, this new concept has come out called technoference. Mm. And it's really, it, it's really a, a mashable word from yeah. interference and technology. So right. technoference is when technology like your devices interfere with connections with your spouse with your kids with your friends um you know and technology can be used 
for good. And there are lots of yeah. positive benefits of technology. And there's a lot of research to show that technology keeps us connected to people. It helps with our social support network. So right. when you need someone, you can text them and say, like, I'm in need of a, of, of a chat or I, I really need someone else. So there are great things about technology. Yes. but. I'll talk about how, really about how technoference is actually creating some difficulties with parent-child interactions in particular, yeah. because we're on our phones and they're available mm. to us at all times, and what's happening is they're sort of impeding interactions sometimes. So if, but especially with young children who are nonverbal, um, we need to be watching them in order to be able to interpret their cues and signals to right. know when they need us. And if we're on our phone, they can't cue and signal us because our attention is on that device, for yes. example. For the device, yeah. the phone device, for example. Um, so this concept of technoference has emerged. Um, mm. And I think it's really interesting because it really differs from television. Um, yes. And we often <laughs> think, like, well, what's the difference between these devices and television? Well, these devices weren't, television wasn't portable when we were yes. kids, so we couldn't have it in our hands. <laughs> yes. Um, so the accessibility of devices are different. The, 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 the fact that they're digitally programmed mm. and engineered to actually draw us in, as you yes. were just mentioning, yes. is different than it was before. And I think how we go about screens is really different. So when, 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 te- you know, when television was the main source of, of device or, yeah. you know, technology, um, we would gather around, you know, I don't know about you, but on Friday nights, we gathered around and we'd watch our show um, together as a family. When the commercials would come on, we'd run to the kitchen, we'd get our snacks, and then we'd all head back together. Now, you know, 50% of the time, there's more than one device being, is on in the home at any given time. So people aren't coming together to watch a device. We're all on our own individual devices, watching different shows or doing different different games. Um, And so, and also just the accessibility of devices now is really because they can be used in our hand and Uh. interrupt these interactions. Then I think that's why um, this this concept is being looked at. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and I found it really interesting that, you know, um, when I read in one of your articles, 50% of kids are reporting that their parents check their phones too much um that really tells me that kids are really noticing when this is happening and it it, there must be some sort of impact on the child if they're noticing it that often yeah or if that many kids are noticing that yeah that it's happening too much there's got to be some kind of um uh, impact on that relationship so for me and for our listeners, what are some of the things that you would then suggest for families to do to sort of limit these things? Um, my whole thing is the phone is there for your convenience, not the other way around, yeah. or the computer is there for your convenience, not the other way around. So how do we sort of have these things in our lives because they are positive in a lot of ways, but maybe... Um, decrease some of the negatives that come out from using them too much yeah so I think that I think you can families should I encourage families to make a family device plan and they can go to healthychildren.org and they actually have a great family device plan um, like online creator uh, Hmm. tool in which you can say how old your kids are and then um, some of the you know, it, it helps, um, it changes the profile based yeah. on how how old your kids are and helps you devise different strategies depending on the child's age. Yeah. 
Um, and you can, um, in that, make decisions as a family how often you're going to be using screens, where you'll use them in the house, um, and how you'll use them. So you, you can make that decision as a family and hopefully have your kids buy in. Right. And then as parents, you're buying into because you're realizing that we, we need to put the phones down in a way. And yes. so some of that might be as a family deciding that you're going to have a device basket which is a big recommendation these days to have a device basket and everyone gets home and that opportunity for connection is more enhanced when everyone can tuck away their phones or their devices and spend some time connecting great if you can do that over a dinner table and have dinner together or if you decide to go all go out and play soccer or Mm. or sit around and play a card game or whatever it is yes um that that we put the devices away so that that connection can happen and I often say you need to disconnect from devices to connect as a family right now that's not to say you can't do family movie night and these other things but but there needs to be a balance there right um and then another one we often talk to about parents is is really thinking about your your own media habits so Mm. um you can be a media mentor especially with the younger kids you're actually modeling device habits and I think we need to remember that kids are watching us you know mm-hmm. they're, they're little sponges so um, however we model our device habits are the types of habits they will likely carry forward um, throughout childhood so yeah. make some decisions early about about how you want their device what you want their device habits to look like right because they're going to be watching you. they're going to be watching <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah so I think you know and I think just in terms of the digital engineer engineering of our phones there mm. there is you know, some um, great sites out there that'll tell you a little bit more about how you can take control of your phone. So it's called the Center for Humane Technology and they have a website and he was a previous, um, I think he was a previous Google executive and he... He's really giving you some strategies for how you can actually be less enticed from things from your phone. So you can turn your phone to grayscale, for example, and then you aren't enticed by all of the alerts to say, or the the red icons that tell you have an email or a text. Yes. Um, Yeah, because red apparently is the color to draw your attention in the most. Um, And and he just gives some tips for how to kind of coordinate your phone to to be less enticed by basically how it's designed to pull you in and there can be something um, to be said for uh, parents and adults to do some self-monitoring so actively checking to see what is it that I'm actually spending my time on I don't know all of a sudden on my phone when there was an update I got this screen time thing and now every week it sends me you know what was your average per day use yeah and I didn't even um at the time think that I wanted to decrease my screen time but because it's sending me those weekly sort of summaries now I'm a little bit more conscious about if I'm on my phone on a Wednesday night or something uh, is this really a good use of my time you know and you can ask yourself that you can say "Mm, maybe not or yeah I'm gonna actively choose to veg out for a little bit you know like at least there's some more um awareness about making the choice versus being sort of swept up in the habit of it. So I think a lot of us will use our phones, especially out of habit and not really think ahead about the minutes and the hours that are adding up over weeks and months. Yeah. So for me, I saw that. I was like, oh, that's that was actually kind of helpful, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, on average, adults in Canada are spending three and a half hours on their phone a day. Yeah. And so one of the nice things about that's that that 
like your use, your yes. usage, the usage alert is that you can actually monitor it and it tells you how much your screen time use has gone up or down in a given, right. given week. And I think that awareness piece is really important. Yeah. And I've been there too, you know, I was watching something on Netflix and then I saw myself and then I pulled out my phone as the show mm. was on and I was scrolling through, you know, my Facebook. Right. And then I thought, I'm multitasking on devices right two, now. You two know, screens. Two screens. <laughs> and, um, you know, I put it away because yeah. um, that's, once I do it once and I get in the habit of it, I might do it more often. So right. I think that awareness piece of, of how you use devices and whether you use devices because it's a coping strategy. Right. So sometimes, you know, we all have stresses in our life yes. and sometimes we gravitate to phones because it's a natural pull away from some of our stresses. Yes. Um, but again, that creates this avoidance yes. um, of and, and these interaction opportunities. So I think that awareness piece is really important. But yeah. I think parents should also know that it happens, you know, yeah. um, and it's okay. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it's it's just really important to try to, to gain some awareness of how you're using your phone, yeah. when you're using it, is it a coping strategy, um, and then to, to decide whether you want to make some changes or not. Exactly, and I sort of say to families I work with, you know, based on your family values, your priorities, if you start to do a bit of more self-monitoring around this and you decide that it's not a priority for you at this time to make those changes and that's okay too it's not about making people feel guilty or because i think that's a, that the other downside to all this is then we sort of there's like a bit of a shame culture to this where no one wants to admit how many screen hours they're doing a day and we're all probably doing more than we should be let's just be honest but it's not necessarily the point to make people feel guilty but just to say if you take a look at it and you monitor yourself over a bit of time you and your children your family in general and you do see that it's interfering into other activities or just good quality interactions then decide for yourself what you want to do about that and for some that may mean just making some small adjustments um, getting the device basket or saying we're not going to have phones at the dinner table. And for some families it might mean a bit more where they might have to work with a professional or get some further support to really tease some of that out and, and decrease it significantly. So I think it's more just about thinking about it critically and then deciding for yourself <clears throat> what kind of changes do you want to make. Like, I don't yeah. want to make people feel guilty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't want to feel guilty. Either. Yeah, and we're, I'm, I'm on my phones, you know, I, my kids watch TV. Yeah. I study this stuff, and yeah. we use screen time. I try to I try to limit it to, to no more yeah. than one hour a day. And, um, you know, I have two-year-old twins, and, um, and I also have older kids, and right. so their screen time, the rules change across those yes. two different age groups. And... You know, and and I enjoy TV too. You For know, sure. it's, it's, it can sometimes be a great distractor from stress in everyday life. I try to limit my screen time use to when the kids are in bed. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, it's just really about understanding your media habits and yeah. being open to some change. Yeah. Um, and knowing that it, like a lot of other things, um, when used in moderation it's okay yeah. it's yeah. that when it's kids are getting you know hours and hours of television a day that mm -hmm. that it can be pro really problematic yes absolutely um what we'll do is maybe we'll give the website links that you mentioned and then um we'll link to your website too because it's got a lot of other 
articles that people can read about this kind of stuff and they can see some of the suggestions that you've made that we've talked about today for sort of keeping a rein on the device use in the media time. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Madigan, for joining us today for our conversation. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Brainchild. This podcast episode was brought to you by support from the Oworko Center. The Oworko Center at the Alberta Children's Hospital Research Institute is dedicated to studying neurodevelopmental disorders and child mental health. The centre draws its support from a large group of multidisciplinary researchers across the University of Calgary with expertise encompassing a broad range of neurodevelopmental and paediatric mental health research. For more information about the Awerko Centre, visit researchforkids.ucalgary.ca. To stay connected to Brainchild, visit canlearnsociety.ca, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or your favourite podcast player. If you have a specific topic that you would like to hear about on our podcast, please send your suggestions to brainchild at canlearnsociety.ca. CanLearn Society is a not-for-profit organization located in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We serve children, youth, and adults who have literacy, attention, and learning challenges. For more information about CanLearn, check out our website at canlearnsociety.ca. At CanLearn, we are dedicated to unlocking potential so all can learn.